0: How's everybody this morning? I know me personally, it's been kind of a busy week. So, coming to the end of a stretch here. But I'm really excited for what God, um, I really believe, wants to speak today, um, in this week. Um, I want you guys to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 43. I'll reference a couple of other scriptures, but uh, we're mainly going to be right here in Isaiah 43. Um, How many people know what the miracle on ice was? <clears throat> there was a movie about it. Kurt Russell starred in it. It was pretty cool, if you if you ask me. I, I kind of like that movie. I don't watch it nearly as much as some other favorites that I have, but. Um, that story is basically, it's from 1980, it was uh, when Olympics were really in the, in the height of of what was going on, you you had, you know, countries that were really going at each other, Um, the Soviets by then had had a big run in hockey, they were even considered to be like unbeatable, I think that the last time the USA won was 20 years before that, which was in 1960, they had won, but um, in 1980, it was like thought of that the Soviets just couldn't be beaten. You just hope to stand with them in in hockey, and so Herb Brooks wanted this job. He wanted to he wanted to take on the Soviets, and he had a plan that was in mind that he was going to use. And uh, an interesting point of fact, I didn't know this, but in that 1960s team, he was the last guy to get cut before the final roster. The team that actually. Um, that had beaten the Soviets in 1960. He was the final guy to get cut. And I forget the circumstances around it, but he was, he was vying for a position. So here he is. He, he wants to take on the Soviets, and he has this idea. What he wants to do is he wants to take not the best players, not the NHL's best, um, not the all-stars. He wants the right group of guys, and he wants to kind of pull them together. And what he wants to do is he wants to use the Soviets' own strategy against them. He wants to play like they do. And it, and it and it causes strife amongst these committees that are that are part of that because it's kind of outside the box. It's it's different. It's it's new, and they can't understand it. How you're going to cut these best players? And he was even told. And the movie shows this out. He's even told. He's like, "You cut the best players." And he looked at the assistant. and He goes, "I'm not looking for the best players. I'm looking for the right players, the right group of guys." But it's amazing how when somebody wants to do something that's new. You know, specifically somebody who's in charge, like a coach, just how much resistance there can be because we're so comfortable with what we know and we can predict it and we can map it out when really all that needs to happen is that we need to trust the guy that's at the helm, even if he wants to do this new thing, right? And there are several new things that he did, you know, Um So tonight, or today, I want to talk about 2017. I want to talk about a new year for all of us, a new year for me, for our families, for our job situations, a new year, right? A new year with God wanting to bring on new things. So the question tonight is, can you see what God sees? Okay? All we can see is what's in front of us. I think I read a statistic that said that the uh, human eye, and I'm, I'm guessing it's the the most perfect of vision, you could have 20, 10 or 25 or whatever it is, vision. But they say that you could perceive or see one candle having been lit from something like a mile away or something ridiculous like this. It's, it's a crazy statistic that said in the pitch black of darkness, if somebody lit a candle a mile away, the eye is able to perceive that light, that one candle light. OK, but again, as, as wonderful as that is, that is so very short sighted because God sees everything. He sees what's going to happen on your birthday. He's going to he see what's going to happen later in this year and all of those things. So can we see what he sees? That's the question tonight, because when he brings the new things to us, understand that he's going to call you to something that you can't see. And we call that faith. We're going to really have to have some faith today. So what are we going to have to do? Let's just jump right into this. I'll read different parts of Isaiah. I'll start kind of um, in verse 8, and I'll just kind of dance around a little bit here. But I want to cover a few of these things. It's just restoring Israel here. So all through Isaiah so far, it's been all of what Israel has done wrong and all of these judgments that have been upon them and all of this. And now you get to this section of Isaiah where it's the consolation of Israel. It's where God's going to start bringing them back. He's going to restore Judah. He's going to, he's going to bring them all back. And he says this. He says, bring out the people who are blind, even though they have eyes, and the deaf, even though they have ears. All the nations have gathered together in order that the peoples may be assembled. Who among them can declare this and, pro- and proclaim to us the former things? Let them present their witnesses that they may be justified, or let them hear and say it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And my servant, whom I have chosen, in order that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. Going down, thus says the Lord, for verse 14, Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon, and will bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans, into the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. He's establishing himself of who he is. He is at the top. He is the guy. He is the leader, right? Who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters. Who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty man. They will lie down together and not rise again. They have been quenched and extinguished like a wick. Verse 18, here's the important part. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I think the NIV translates a little bit different if you have an NIV. The NIV says, um, behold, I am doing something new, right? And I think it also says that word right there, says be aware of is perceive, This word right here is basically to understand, to know, okay? Did you realize that no matter what it is in your life, when you react to something, when you react to it emotionally, when you make a response to something, it is a response to something that you've perceived, okay? It is not just by sight or by hearing, okay? That is nothing more than just input that goes in here, but once you've processed it, then you react to it, okay? Otherwise, the meteor coming to you is just a meteor coming to you. When you realize that a meteor coming towards you is going to be a danger to you, you react. You begin to move. You, you, you make judgments. And so understand, when, when God is saying, I'm doing a new thing, he doesn't just want you to, to know it like words on a page. It is meant to cause for you to move. It is meant for you to do something in response to it. So I think that we're going to have to change our focus. We're going to have to change it completely because right now we're kind of, we're so short-sighted. All we are is living in our moment, in our day today, Sunday morning, right? What is it? January 15th. So here we are in our moment. So what is this day, right? It's Marla's birthday. Okay, that could be the beginning and the end, right? It's also championship day in football, okay? It's also championship day in football. Some of us might have some plans. We're going to have some pizza, some popcorn, whatever, and we're going to go watch the game, you know, and all of that. And that's, that's all today holds for us. But if you, under, if you look at that, you understand that you're, you're kind of shrinking down this day. What does God want to do with this day? Who are you going to rub shoulders with today? I a that classmate from 20 years ago that, that just comes out of nowhere, and you're not expecting that, right? But that starts to kind of war with that football game. I got 10 minutes to the game, and here's the guy. I'll exchange numbers. That's what I'll do. I'll exchange numbers, and I'll give him a call back when it's more convenient for me. But check out what your focus is at that point. So it's going to have to change. And I want to dive right into this concept, because if you look here, especially in verses uh, 18 and 19, what, is, what does he say? He says, um, I will even make a roadway in the wilderness. I think the NIV translates that, I'll make a path in the desert. Anybody ever seen a desert? Whether like on TV or a picture, you've ever been to a desert? When you look out, what do you see? A lot of sand. A lot of sand. It's like sand and Horizon. You couldn't make a path in a desert if you wanted to. You know what I mean? Because all it is is a bunch of sand. So we see sand. Do you follow where I'm going with that? So when we look at this this endless landscape that is nothing but sand, the last thing that we're seeing is direction. We should go this way or that's going to lead our way home because it's just complete endlessness of sand and horizon. That's all it is. So if your life feels like a desert tonight, today, for whatever reason, I'm going to ask you, what do you see? Do you only see the struggle? Do you only see the sickness? Do you only see the stagnation? Wow, I'm not going anywhere. Nothing's happening. Is that all you see? Because I'm telling you, you see that, and that's what you understand your life to be. But what does God understand your life to be? Does he understand it to be that desert? Absolutely not. There's no way. That's not the God I serve. If that's the God that you serve, you need to be up here today. And I need to be praying for you because that's not the God that we serve. He's going to make a way in that desert, right? What about the wasteland? He says here, rivers in the desert. I think the NIV translates that uh, streams in the wasteland or something like this, right? So picture that wasteland. And again, we're only going by what we can see, what our eyes can actually see and process, all right? You look around this church, and what do you see? I see people. I see people committed to the Lord. I see people moving in the same direction as me. I see chairs. I see people listening to the words that I'm speaking. I'm reading out of the Bible here, you know? But what does God see? God sees an entire group of people. He sees a lamp, right? He sees a light. He sees us as a unit moving forward, right and he sees us in the effect that we're supposed to have because that's a purpose that we have our purpose is not to sit here it's absolutely not to sit here it's important that we are and we always should be every single sunday we need to be in the chair we need to be listening but that's not the purpose because if that were the purpose when you you'd be punching out at the door right be like okay and it's a day off right I get, the, I get the whole week off i gotta come back to church work on sunday right but we don't do that see we're called to a purpose right this more right here is just kind of like training, you know, he's getting us equipped, he's preparing us, and he wants to kind of give us the, the full picture, right? So again, do, does your life look like a wasteland? When you read through this scripture and that's what you react to, you say, man, yeah, you know, my life is just kind of this wasteland. What do you see? Look around at what you see because I'm going to challenge you that you're focusing only on that negative thing. And let's be honest, it's the important thing. I totally get it. I do the same thing'm the same, I'm the same as you, right? I think Paul did it. I think some of these great guys in the Bible, like Abraham, I think they did it. you know, and we're just so adept at just kind of shrinking down our focus and going, This is my life, but is it? Does it have to be your life? No, it does not have to be your life because God wants to use that wasteland experience that desert experience he wants to use it and he wants to kind of change your focus so what am I trying to say I'm trying to bring you guys through my thought process which is tricky okay because going through my brain is a lot like walking through a desert right (laughs) so I've got to try my best here to bring you guys along with me in my studies um, I came across something called the focusing effect kind of a fancy word. I don't know if anybody's ever come across it, but the focusing effect. It basically states that when we make judgments or decisions, when we decide to do things, we tend to weigh certain factors um, unevenly. We put more importance on some things than other things, all right? It's due typically to schemas or stereotypes Anybody that's ever come across someone who stereotypes people, they only see them through one lens. It's at one perspective. It's a stereotype. But we tend to give more weight to those things that we're familiar with, that we're comfortable with, that we've engaged with, right? And other factors we downplay. They're less important, less likely. Therefore, I'm not really expecting a whole lot, so I kind of disregard it. In other words, this causes us to see what we want to see, okay, to focus on what we want to. Some would call it a self-fulfilling prophecy, but really the bottom line is the fact that you view your life as a desert or a wasteland, the fact that that's what you perceive, that's going to mean that you can't or won't, or at the very least it's going to make it really, really hard to see the river and to see the path. Because you are, you're actively choosing to ignore the fact that one could even be there. So you'd almost talk yourself out of it. There's no way that there's a river in my life. It can't be there because my life is this wasteland. And you talk yourself out of the very direction that God wants to give you. So now I ask you this question. Think ahead, 2017. We're 15 days into it yet. Okay? Okay. In our case, we've got, what is it, like six days, seven, five days before the inauguration happens and the new leader is set in, you know, and that really can be scary for some of us, right? So, but we're 15 days into this year. What does 2017 hold for you? What do you foresee? What do you see for the rest of this year? What do you see happening in your life? Where do you see your finances, your marriage, you know, your relationship with your kids? Where do I see... You know, my brother and my sister in their walk with the Lord, are they going to get saved this year? What do I foresee? What am I hoping for and expecting in 2017? Because it's going to boil down to two things, right? It's going to boil down to either possibilities and what God wants to do and what he can do, all right? Or it's going to be problems. This is just going to be a year filled with more of the same, just more of the same. If your focus is more of the same, it's got to change. OK. God is the only thing. All right. The only person that is the same yesterday, today, forever in his character and who he is as God. He will never cease to be who he is. But I promise you this. He has good things in store for us this year. He has great things in store for us as a church, for you as as just individuals and your families. And I need for us. I want for us. God wants for us to open up our vision, open up our our focus on what we can see because if you're going to discover the awesome things that he wants for you, and again, I keep coming back to that word focus because there's going to be distractions. There's going to be those things that are going to come in and they're going to pull our attention away and you have got to be able to bring it back to what what God wants um, and what he wants to do. But if we're going to discover them, we're going to need a couple of things. Um, We're going to need proper perception. We're going to need to be able to see it Um, the way it should be seen. Take into mind Israel, okay? How did God see Israel at this time? Now, he's just taken 30-something chapters and laid out all of these things that they had done wrong, all of these areas where they had disobeyed him and they had strayed away from him, you know? But how does God view them, right? And how do they view themselves? Given all of their failures, and let's be fair to us, right? Given all of that, they're just getting what they deserved, right? You disobey a commandment, and there is a judgment. God can choose to do it right away. He could do it a week removed. He could do it just when, you know, you go up and have to give account for all of the things you've said and done, right? But they could be viewing it that way, you know? I'm sure felt, uh, some of them felt like, well, you know, we're cut off for good. There's no way God's going to restore us, you know? We've done all these different things with idols and everything else. There's no way God's going to bring us back. You know, these are some of the ways that we can think, because guess what? Newsflash, right here, this is Israel. We're no different than these people. It's just we live in a different time, but we have the same kind of patterns that we can get into, the same kind of struggles and disobedience that they had. You know, we have the same thing. Um, they might feel like their life is a wasteland, or they're wandering in a desert, okay? You might be feeling like that. You're wandering around in this desert. You're wandering, okay, God, I know that you're here somewhere. I just can't find it. But all I see is desert. All I see is desert. All I see is wasteland. You know? But that's because that's what you're looking for. Because you're in a desert. You start looking for... How can I put this? Okay. If I were to say, I want you to open up your eyes and look around this section of the room just this section. Forget the stage. Forget the sound booth. It's just this right here, the chairs and the people. I say, look around and tell me what you see. You see chairs and you see people. I say, find the table. What's going to happen? You're going to look past the chairs. You're going to look past the people. You're going to move them. Mike says, find the table. It's going to be here somewhere. These now don't even matter to you they're insignificant they're just more like in the way really because you're determined to find the thing I tell you is there where's the table do you see how the focus changes you care not anymore about the chairs only finding the table so when you change your focus and you realize okay God you're telling me that there's a river here I'm gonna find it because that's where I want to be you're telling me there's a path here I'm gonna find it because I want to be on that path and suddenly. The desert's mostly just in the way. But you're going to go digging and you're going to go find it because God said it was there. But understand, you're actually following him at that point. You've now, you you no longer react to what you feel is a desert or a wasteland. You're moving on past it, which is what you need to be doing, and keep moving on ahead and keep moving forward. You know, you have to see the possibilities that God sees. The bottom line is this. He can take a dried up and wasteless Um, a wasteful land he can do that and turn it into a river and a way he can do it so maybe the truth tonight is you are in a desert maybe you are in a wasteland maybe you've made a ton of mistakes last year maybe you were israel in the first 37 chapters of isaiah maybe you had idols maybe you just chose not to follow god at all maybe you never read your bible you know maybe your relationship with him is just completely just nothing okay but god doesn't want that, and doesn't see it, nor does he ever let you go. So you come back to him, and he will show you where the path is. He can turn that whole thing around. But be careful, don't get ahead of him, all right? Don't jump ahead of God and go, okay, God's going to turn my life around, and here's what he's going to do. Careful, because he might not do that and you're going to wind up swinging to the other side, all God wants you to do is follow after him. Sometimes you'll be in a valley, sometimes a mountaintop, but every step of the way is planned out and purposed. You need to be doing what he wants you to do. All right? So that's that first thing. You've got to change your focus. Stop looking at your life. Even if it's true, stop looking at it and saying, this is what it's always going to be, okay? Okay? Number two, you've got to now focus ahead. You've got to focus forward, right? Because your life might be a desert right now, but what does he want your life to be later in this year? Okay? Where does he want you? Where does he want you serving? Where does he want you ministering? You know? Maybe there's a whole group of people on Facebook that you have contact to, right? So we take Facebook and all its negative aspects. We have all those friends, right? Which I never understood. Some people have like a quarter million friends, OK, you know, you know, a quarter million people, but I don't know if they're a quarter million friends, but, you know, but you have all these people that are on there. But, you know, maybe there's a whole group of people that you can be simply ministering to, that you can be reaching out to, that you could be sharing Jesus with. You know, for those of us who you know have graduated, you know, you have classmates, people that are part of your graduating class that life has happened, you know, and who knows what's going on in their life that you could be ministering to them. But you've got to, you've got to focus forward. Um, There are two things uh, within that that I see as a problem. And I'm going to be careful as I navigate through this because we definitely see it with Israel here in Isaiah when you, uh, when you look through, because the fact that God says, will you not be aware or perceive the new things? It seems to mean that they're stagnant. They're kind of holding on to something and it's these former things. Don't, Don't look back at those. Don't ponder them. Now, it's good to do that. I look back briefly and I go, man, what a sinner I was when I first got saved, when God had to rescue me. And I certainly remember that. And I don't think I want to ever forget that because I don't ever want to go back there because I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good and I want to be here. But if, follow me here, if this is forward, and this is backward, and I spend too much of my time doing this. What am I not doing? See, so I can be walking with the Lord, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to remember the the other thing, and I'm going to ponder it. That's right. I'm supposed to be going this way, right? And then I'm going to stop, and I'm going to, but see, I, I'm this bad person, and I, I, and I remember, and then I'm okay, and I'm supposed to go this way, right? So how far have I really traveled? kind of in the same place I was when I started because I keep going back and forward you know what I mean so we want to remember and just never go back there but really what we need to be doing is going I just don't want to be back there because back there was kind of awful but God has this for me and so we've got to figure out a way to kind of keep our heads pointed in the right direction so that we can be doing that Israel used past failures to control their outlook God gave them a temple. And they worshipped idols. God gave them commands and they treated them more like suggestions, right? Because they broke those commands. God gave them wealth, they used it selfishly, and sometimes even to kind of abuse, you know, people they didn't have, right? So they were totally unkind. God gave them truth, and what did they live? Or proclaim a lie. See, the truth exists. We just have to understand it, and we have to interact with that truth. As long as I pretend that it's not truth or I begin to downplay it, truth is in the eye of the beholder and all these different kind of things, and suddenly truth begins to sort of whittle away, and it's no longer truth, you know, it's not going to do anything, and I'm going to live and proclaim a lie. God gave them himself. He led them. God the Father himself led them. We have Jesus you know, that we're following after him, and he was our example, right? And they rejected him with those idols, and they turned away. It was like, you know, God, I don't like what you're doing, so I'm going to trade you for a better model. What? You know, there's no better model. He's the the king. He's the top, you know? They also depended, number two, on past victories. This one's kind of tricky. Victories in our life, Well, they're good, right? They're supposed to be these great things. They energize us. They build our faith. They encourage us to do more, right? But if you're not careful, and again, it's where you focus. If you're focusing on this victory too much, what about this one? And what about that one? What about the victory at the end of this year Maybe just in in your walk, just personally, you're going to break through because quiet times are hard and then all of a sudden you hit it and boom, it just becomes clear for you and you just start having like these amazing quiet times and you can't get enough and you read and, you know, you're almost running into things because your Bible's glued to your face, you know, and all these different kind of things. But if we're too controlled right here with these victories and we're focusing on those too much, they're going to hold us back okay, Israel had victories in their past, they left Egypt, I can't think of a, of a cooler set of miracles, if you ask me, you know, a little power encounter in there, when all the magicians tried to like, you know, mimic all the different, you know what I mean, and like, I just, I love that, I just, I I, I could never get enough of that, they conquered Canaan, you know, they they took the promised land from all these different people groups, and there were giants in the land, and all of this. But, but they conquered that, so they had these wonderful victories, all right? But not only can we focus on that, but now suddenly for them, see, they're in captivity. What how what how are they in captivity? How is their faith in any way reduced, having gone through all of that? You know, all of those victories and miracles that God did, how is it possible that in any way they have strayed from the Lord? I don't think, I don't know. I want to say I couldn't do it, but then again, I'm no different than they are, so I probably would have done the same thing that they did. But I'm reading it in a book, right, 2,000 years later kind of a thing. You know what I mean, 5,000 years later. I'm reading this thing in a book, and I'm like, dude, if I had been delivered out of Egypt in that kind of way, If I had crossed the Red Sea in that kind of way, God could tell me anything and I'd believe it. (laughs) So wait, you're going to mean we're going to live on the moon and the Earth's going to become the moon? Cool. Pack my bags. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care what he says. I'm going to probably believe him. But nonetheless, they're in captivity. And all their previous experiences with all this victory is doing nothing at all to set them free. And that's the funny thing about focus, too. When you think about your successes and your victories that you've had, and remember, you've got to focus on what I'm trying to say here. You've got the the thing holding you back. Whatever victory, whatever thing that God has done for you, what amazing thing he has done and taken care of you and did all of that, was it hard to focus on my words, if only for three seconds or four? Because I'm talking, music pops up, visual pops up, and what happens to you? I, I'm suddenly confused. I'm suddenly confused. Now, I'm trying my best to ignore it, and I know it's coming. Right? And I know it's coming, and I'm trying to go forward. But just think about that. What did it take? It took three seconds of a music and something coming through here to pull your attention completely away. Right? That's how easy it is. That's how simple it is for you to be distracted. All the more reason why we have to be focused forward on what God is doing. You've really got to train yourself. You need God's help to do it, and we're going to need each other. I'm going to need you. You're going to need me. Because when all that starts to happen, you're going to want someone to pull you and say, hey, no, look it, go that way. I've been praying for you. You're, you're moving. Don't stop moving. Don't go back here, okay? Keep moving forward. Careful not to focus on what God has done. But keep in mind what he is doing. That's another thing. And again, I'm, I'm kind of saying the same things in a similar fashion, but I'm wanting to hit that chord as many times as I can. What God has done for you, amazing. Always will be. It's part of your testimony. These are good things, okay? But if you spend all of your time focusing on what he has done, you're going to miss what he is doing. And what he's doing is a new thing. What he's doing is something new that you haven't begun to imagine of what he could do he could turn your whole life around i had a lady that came through i don't know if it'll make sense to you it does make sense to me but i had a lady come through the restaurant and she was so sure that she had left her key fob she had one of those key fobs that like with you're within like five feet of your car it'll like unlock the doors and you know turn the car on all that kind of stuff i don't have that I have that like mechanism where you stick the key in and you turn it. <laughs> just gotta hold it for a minute, like, you know what I'm saying? Like so. um, that's what I have. But um, she had this key fob, she came in, and no kidding, she came in, she had her hands in her pockets and her, in her sweatshirt, and she's like, I've left it here, I, I know it. I was just here, and I've left it here, and it's somewhere. We're pulling apart this booth that she sat in, and we're looking for it, and I'm like, I, I, I'm not seeing it, you know what I mean? Like, are you sure you sat here, maybe it was the next table over, maybe you just missed it by a few feet? Whatever she says, nope. It is. It's definitely here. I go. Well, I'm gonna go check the bathroom. Maybe, maybe you went into the bathroom. And again, this is her understanding, her processing of the information. Okay. That key did not activate her car. That was the problem. Therefore, it's no way. It's in that jacket pocket. Where do you think she found it? Right in that jacket pocket. And she looked at me and she goes, "It didn't start the car." And therefore her conclusion was certain that she had left it in the restaurant, and I'm tearing the restaurant apart, looking for it, and I'm everywhere I can think of. I'm on the roof and I'm digging up like concrete, and I'm looking for this stuff, right? And she's like, "I'm sorry, it's right here. I'm going to tell my husband that I, I left it here." You know what I mean? I was like, I was like, "I wouldn't lie to your husband, you know, but, um, but you know, we, we put so much faith in the fact that the thing would work. There's no possible way it's still on me, you know, and that's where she found it, right? That's an embarrassing thing. I'll tell you. As we wind down, and and again, I'm I'm talking about moving forward with the new things that God wants to do. And I'm not going to speak to what the new things are, and here's why. Because if I bring them up, I'll bring them up in like small measure, but if I bring them up, I don't want you to focus on that. Because maybe that's not what God has for you. I want you to be open to what God has for you this year, okay? Does anybody know what the fovea is? The fovea, F-O-V-E-A. It's part of your eye. It's actually right in the center of your retina. It doesn't move. It's, It's where a lot of the rods and the cones are sort of gathered together. It's where the highest level of visual acuity is okay it's dead center in your eye take your finger and go like this and look right at it right in the center see how well you process it okay you're looking at that finger right through your fovea keep your head forward swing your arm off to one side or the other okay don't look at your finger keep looking forward now try to look at your finger without moving your head So you turn your eye over here. How well can you see your finger? You're vaguely aware that it's there, but the acuity has dropped because your fovea doesn't move. It is still the center part of your eye. You're just trying to turn your eye as far as you can, and you're going to lose that visual acuity. Call that focus. Because if I really wanted to focus on my finger, if I said, hey, continue to focus on your finger, what are you going to do? You're going to turn your head. Right, because you're gonna do this. And I can't see my finger. Okay, there it is. I got it. That's what you have to do. You have to turn your head to where God is wanting you to go. I was just joking around with uh, about Noah the way he walks, because he walks with such purpose. If you guys ever seen him, he kind of has this move where he does, night- <laughs> and he's got his he has his head like halfway down to the ground, and he is I mean, he, wherever he's going, he's gonna get there. That's, that's all we know, okay? We're not sure where he's going, but he'll get there for sure. You know what I mean? And I found that to be so, fu- so funny, but, you know, we got to put God's plan in the center of our vision, the center of our fovea, because if we can do that, and wherever he goes, we just continue. It's like we're just we're purposed only to go where he's going, and we're not doing this move. Where we're trying to, like, follow it but still go backwards. We are just purposed to go after him when you're doing that your actions and your faith are are being shown to believe what God wants to do for you what if God wanted to take you off a cliff what if he wanted you to walk off a cliff what if he wanted you to go to some very uncomfortable what if he wanted you to preach whoops Time out. let's get this right here I'm training I am not getting back here. I remember the first time Mike actually came to me um, and asked me to get up behind the pulpit. I joked and I did like a double take because I kind of didn't believe him. Now, for months before, we had, we had joked and, and I threw it out there and all that, and, but he was being serious. And I never saw myself back here, but what about you? getting back here behind the pulpit and letting God speak through you and give you a message that you know you want to encourage people and you want to drive them anybody that's known me which honestly the church has kind of changed so much we're getting to be the minority now but anybody knew me before I came to this church this right here this is a Red Sea Conquer Canaan kind of a deal right here (laughs) you know what I'm talking about this guy back here oh yeah you know what I mean? And they'll tell you stories. It's part of my testimony and the whole bit. Um, but it's, what does that do whenever I mention that? What if God wants you back here? Immediately you heard the words and you reacted. You responded. No way. Almost guaranteed. There might be one person in the whole room that might go, well, if that's what God wants, I guess I'm good with it. But for most of us, in that split second, you had a 100 thoughts go through your mind. I'm not equipped, I don't speak well, i do not sure I understand it, I'm not going to be confident enough, what if I speak wrong, what if I say something wrong? And you go down that whole road of negatives, right? What if God is God and he's the king of your life, and what if he's changed your life, and what if your testimony is real, and what if your faith is real, and what if his message is powerful and coming through your mouth, you know what I mean? What if all of those things that we never actually think about or focus on, because those are the things that are at play, because maybe that's part of his plan. I never would have thought it, not in a million years. You know, and now I've been back here a handful of times. And the worst problem I run into, truly, is that it's hard to follow me sometimes. Welcome to my life. I mean, you know what I mean? So like, when we have more conversation and I can take more than 45 minutes to explain it to you, You know, I sat down with Sarah uh, last night, I think it was last night, night before, and I go, does it make sense to you? And we begin to go in there and kind of make some changes. And she's like, well, what if you, what if you like didn't do that, but did this, (laughs) you know, but, um, but, but, you know, it can be hard to follow me sometimes, you know, because I get so excited in my head and I'm reading through it. and I'm like, yeah, okay, God's going to do all these great things and, and, and all of that. But I want that for you. And all I want you to do is turn your head. I have to keep God's focus, God's plan in your fovea and, and realize that he has great things for us this year. And I know it's going to be wonderful. I'll tell you, I'm not going to mince words, okay? You're going to have some valley experiences. You're going to be tempted to go back. You are. It's just a human nature. But if you keep saying to yourself every single day, put a big post-it on your door before you walk out to work. Make it the screensaver on your phone. I don't know what you got to do. But every day wake up and go, what's God moving me to? Where am I going with God today? Because I'm going to be tempted to go back here, but I really want to go that direction over there. And then you begin to see that God's going to do these things. He may not heal you. He may not change your life in the way that you want to. But when you surrender that, when you surrender it to him, what he will do is what he intends to do with what he's given you. He has allowed for you to go through what you're going through for a reason, And you'll actually be able to realize what that reason is a whole lot quicker. And God will move you from one thing to the next, from one thing to the next, as long as you keep moving. All right? So you'll have struggles. You're going to, you're going to, it's not going to be Pollyanna, you know? Because if it was Pollyanna, everybody would do it. Now, let's be honest. I mean, being a Christian is is hard. Because not only do you have to go through it, but you got to go through it like with a smile and you got to like, you know, God's going to do this great thing. Yeah, you know, but we don't feel like that sometimes, right? We go home after church and we're all pumped up. We're in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah God's going to do it, but I don't see him doing it. And you're gonna toy around with those negatives. Um, but you got to follow his plan. Keep in mind, the whole of moving Israel to where they were going, God had already set that plan in motion. Do you realize that everything that they went through was new? By day, you're going to follow this uh, this cloud. it a cloud. And then by night, it was a pillar of fire. That had never been done before. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm following the clouds. You know what I mean? That was new for them. But they did it. All the way up until they got to that place where they were grumbling a little bit, and then things got really hard. How about uh, manna? Not only did I know what it is, they, they said, what is this? That's what they called it. We're gonna call it. What is this? You know. Now God blessed them and gave them meat. They knew what quail was. All right, so they had quail to eat. That was cool. Well, we know what quail is. I've never had quail. It tastes like chicken. herd. you know. But whatever, you know. But the manna, that was all brand new for them. I'm gonna go pick. I don't even know, what. I don't even know what this is. You know. But they did it. You know. So God had already set the plan in motion. He already set the plan in motion. Him and Jesus got together. In heaven, and they realize, well, yeah, I'm going to have to go at a certain point. I get it. You just tell me when. I'm ready. You know, but everything they went through was new. So why is it so hard for us to go through these new things? To approach them and say, would you eat manna? Because let's be honest. I mean, for man for them, you know, this might have been manna. I've never eaten anything in my life that's looked like that. You know, put some peanut butter on it, throw it over a fire, maybe tenderize it a bit, smoke it perhaps, you know what I mean? Throw in a smoker for like a couple of days. Okay. You know what I mean? But that's tantamount to what they, they didn't know what it was. It was lying on the ground and God said, there you go, that's going to sustain you. You know, barley squares, I don't know, Whatever terrible thing that's out there that we could probably be eating tree bark i don't know but why is it so hard and and i want to be careful when i say this because there is a reality that does exist okay and it's not meant to be negative but when we stand up here and they sing or when whenever somebody asks you and you agree you know do you trust god yeah i trust god yeah i trust god eat the manna How about bread? How about uh, dates? We have these things, God. You can totally give that to me. But if I fully trusted him, I wouldn't question it, right? If I fully did, let's be honest. Do I fully trust God? No. I got plenty of room I can grow. Because if I fully trusted God and he said, eat that, okay. I'd go and I'd eat it. If I fully Trusted him the problem is we don't fully trust him. We trust him to a certain point you know, there's only So far that we trust him, but there are things that he'll ask us to do that we just Can't see it. We can't agree with it in our in our finite little tiny bitty brains. We just it just poof, it just blows our minds Maybe complete surrender Does God have everything? In your life, have you given him everything? You know, in, in marriages, they take a lot of work, they take a lot of faith and they take a lot of trust, and they take a lot of lot a lot of surrender. you know and I, and I say marriages because two people that were once not living together, that now live together and begin to share their lives, throw in a baby, turn it on low for two minutes you know what I mean? And what you're going to have is a whole lot of turmoil that you're going to have to kind of sort through and kind of, you know, and and fix, okay? But this is any relationship. This is a mother to her son, this is two friends, this is you know, this is your coworker relationships, okay? This is all your neighbors, right? Um the guy that's above you in your apartment that looks like he's doing some kind of rain dance. All right, because you're down below here and, <laughs> and you're just thinking, what is he doing up there? You know what I mean? Um, these relationships, this thing applies to complete surrender. Because you're gonna have to surrender parts of who you know to be you. Okay? Because they are who you are, they're just not who God wants you to be. The sarcastic stubbornness part of you, that's probably gonna have to change. I'm working on it been working on it for a while. You know what I mean? But I really am trying hard because I'm realizing that when I speak through that part of me, things don't really go so well. It doesn't really yield the result that I'm looking for it to yield. You know what I mean? Matter of fact, it kind of brings me more trouble. You know what I mean? So really what I'm speaking is gasoline to a fire and I want to be speaking more like baking soda. You know what I mean? And so you got to realize that. When you fully surrender to God, he's going to look right at you and he's going to say, okay, that's got to change, that's got to change, that's got to go, and you've got to be willing to fully surrender that. And again, think of all the Israelites had experienced. Passover, crossing the Red Sea, conquering Canaan. They built the temple. They had been through so much. You know, what wouldn't they change? What wouldn't they change? We sang a song. I wrote this down. We sang a song. I will worship you for who you are. So I think tonight we need to ask, who is Jesus to you? Because whoever he is to you will be the extent to which you worship him. Do you follow me? If he is everything to you, then in worship he will get everything. If he is... 80% 80% of what you need, then you will worship 80%. Okay? Because how we view those people, you know, I think of a nursing baby. See, every time they're hungry, where do they go? Not the refrigerator. They go to mom. They don't go to dad either. Last night, Noah rolled over. I was laying in the bed and he rolled over and he apparently wanted to nurse. And he did this for like one second. And then he rolled over. <laughs> he realized real quick that it was not mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so he rolled over because he knew right where to go. All right? his hey, baby is no fool. Okay? And then, and then lastly, in terms of moving forward, another song that we, we sang up there was Running. Letting go of every mistake. And what does the next verse say? Does anybody remember? I'm sorry? Uh, letting go of every mistake. Um, give it up or give it all. What would you give up tonight? What, today, what would you give up to go God's way? I want you to think about that for just one second. What would you give up? Would you give it up? All of it? Everything? You know? Would you give up your job? i was got to work for a few months, and that was hard. I saw God's provision in amazing ways like I'd never seen before. It was a new thing for me last year. You know, I lost my job, and God provided everything that we needed and more. That shaken down, pressed together measure, yeah. My family experienced that October of last year through almost beginning of December. Then I started my job, and I still had to carry over Because I feel like two J's held back like six months worth of pay for like forever before I got a paycheck. But um, I'll never forget what he did there, you know. But now think about I got that job, right? Yes, job. Would I give that up? If God wanted to call me somewhere else. See, these are the things I think about me personally as I look back on my life and I go, would I give it up? I just went through having not. I lost the only income that my family had. I had two babies and a wife. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I gonna do? And my only conclusion, the only conclusion that could even make sense is, I'm gonna follow him. Because he'll make the provision. I just, I gotta follow him. And I watched him as he provided. And I mean, we, we found money. Groceries at the doorstep coming home from church coming home from church people Who brought the groceries? You know what I'm talking about so like You know, but anyway, I've seen God provide in 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 such crazy ways for our family. So he wants to provide for you. I know he does The only question that we have tonight is what kind of expectation do you have? Do you serve a God that's gonna turn your desert around? Do you serve a God that's going to take you out of your wasteland? Do you serve a God that's going to give you everything that you need? Because I know I do, and I've seen it, and I'm going to struggle with it, and that's that's going to be okay because I'm going to come right back to my focus. I'm going to turn my head and make sure that I'm going in the right direction. Guys, come with me because he has awesome things. He really, really does. Just understand, you might not understand it correct in the beginning, but he'll change it, okay? All right, well, Father, I do love you, and I ask, God, that you help us turn our head. I ask Jesus that you call our focus uh, to be with you, to whatever it is that you're doing, God. And for all these new things that you want to do, all these new things you want to give us, God. I pray in full expectation for each person here that we would run towards it. We would go and we would take it because you're giving it to us, God. That we would would use it in the way that you want us to use it, Father. And that every time that you make a turn, every time that you lead us down a new path, God, we would do so in full faith And in those times, God, when our faith is weaker, in those times when we don't fully trust you, when we don't fully surrender to you, I ask, God, that you pour out grace upon us, God, and that you use our brothers and sisters around us, use your word, use our times of prayer, God, to call us continually to what you're doing. And I ask, Lord, if we ever get distracted too much by the past, help us, God, please, not to walk back towards it, but to continue moving on as 2017 will move on, God. I ask Jesus that every every great gift you want to give us, every difficult thing you want to give us to strengthen us and to grow us and draw us closer to you, you give it to us, Father. And I pray that our faith, our chain, as Mike said a couple weeks ago, would be strong the anchor, our truth, our hope in Jesus, that tr- that chain, I pray that would be very, very strong, God, and that we would continue moving forward with you. Call our attention to you, God, every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.